IEEE SA Voice shares insights and perspectives from the IEEE SA community, subject matter experts, and industry leaders that are working to raise the world's standards, drive market solutions, and much more. Keeping you at the forefront of technological innovation for the benefit of humanity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the IEEE SA Rethink Health podcast series. I am your host, Maria Palombini. I am the director and I lead the healthcare and life sciences global practice here at the IEEE SA. This podcast series takes industry stakeholders, technologists, researchers, clinicians, regulators, and more from around the globe to task. And we ask them, how can we rethink the approach to healthcare with the responsible use of new technologies and applications that can afford more security, protection, and sustainable, equitable access to quality care for all individuals? You can check out our previous seasons on ieesa.io backslash health podcast. H-E-A-L-T-H-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. As we know, as a result of the recent pandemic, the term telehealth has become one of the most frequently used terms, and it does not appear to be going away soon. The reality is, is the way we see telehealth today will look very different tomorrow. Telehealth is manifesting in many different forms. It's more than what we commonly see as the doctor-patient exchange on an audio or video platform. And it continues to grow with the use of RPM, remote patient monitoring devices. The telehealth experience has changed the patient's expectation on healthcare services. They are relating it to more of a concierge-level retail experience, convenient, appropriate, and personalized. There is a growing RPM space. There are many forecasts about RPM devices, anywhere from U.S. $150 billion by 2028 to estimates that 40% of patients will be utilizing one or two of these devices at one given time. But there's one thing for certain, regardless if we're talking telehealth, mobilized health, or RPMs, the future of delivering healthcare is not confined to a facility and it will need to be patient-centered. Season four of this podcast series, Telehealth's Quantum Leap into Patient-Centered Care, talks to the innovators, and these are the winners of the IEEE-SA Telehealth Virtual Pitch Competition, the industry leaders, clinicians, and other researchers who are at the forefront of driving innovation with solutions on accessibility, human factor design, flexibility, interoperability, security, and a whole host of other necessary ingredients to migrate healthcare in the form of telehealth to a patient-centered care system. So a little short disclaimer before we begin, IEEE does not endorse or financially support any of the products or services discussed by our experts in this series. And with that out of the way, it is my pleasure to welcome JC Wren, Assistant President of CMI Health Inc. Hi, JC. Hi, Maria. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. So JC and CMI Health are the producers of a device called Asthma Go. It's an RPM device. Asthma Go is a HIPAA-compliant asthma solution that consists of smart home-use medical devices, a mobile app, and a physician dashboard. Asthma Go, obviously, is a great innovation because it placed third in the IEEE SA Rethink the RPM Virtual Pitch Competition. So we're going to get to the details of the innovation because the innovation comes with a solution. But before that, JC, can you tell us a little bit about you? You know, you're assistant president at CMI Health. What drives your passion to work at this organization? So CMI Health is a uh, startup company. Uh, we specialize in medical devices, both um, clinical and for consumers. And we are a relatively small team, but we really make big impact in the industry and then to all of our customers. It's really a great industry to be in, a healthcare, as well as 
we are highly involved in the telehealth and the RPM sector. So it really feels good to knowing that our products are helping people and improve their life quality, improve their medical outcomes. And I also want to mention it's a good feeling to kind of read all those customer reviews online, like the Amazon store, to learn about how our products uh, improved their uh, life. Absolutely. You know, I've interviewed quite a few innovators, especially the entrepreneurs. And there seems to always be a human story behind their innovation, their products. When it comes to Asmago, can you share with our audience, what was the driver behind the development of it? Was it shaped by perhaps a co-founder's own experience with a friend or family member, or maybe something they were exposed to while they were doing, you know, undergraduate work at a university? Like, what was the driving motivation of bringing this product to the market? I first uh, started to learn and then to get to know more about asthma when I was in grad school. I did a small project when I was at Georgia Tech. It was a like children's hospital project with like a child asthma. So that's how I got started to kind of recognize uh, oh, this huge population and how severe it is. But the actual story behind this is one of our partners. He has like a conversation with his uh, golf buddy. And his friend has a son with uh, asthma. He's uh, really worried about his son during sleep because sometimes there might be like an attack or sleep disorder caused by the asthma condition. So he's really worried like he cannot fall asleep. He has to getting up and seeing his son. He really wants something to monitor closely, even overnight. Uh, during the sleep. You want to know his son is okay. Uh, so both he and his wife feel safe. Unfortunately, we hear more and more children obviously suffering from asthma for different many reasons. And of course, that I imagine brings a lot of stress to parents everywhere in the world. So to our audience, we, now we're going to get to the core of our interview, right? The innovation. Just food for thought. RPM, remote patient monitoring, is more than just a device and a telemetric way of transporting information. It has to be a care system that is built around not only the patient's therapeutic condition, but also their social and other home determinants. And JC just started to allude to an exact use case when it comes to children in the home and fear of quality of life and worrying about your child not breathing right and all these kinds of other issues. We know that According to the World Health Organization, asthma affects an estimated 262 million people, and that was in 2019, and caused 461,000 deaths. So this is not something that we can just push to the side, right? It is a non-communicable disease that affects both children and adults equally. So, JC, how does asthma go support this very large and diverse population of patients? Asthma is like a typical chronic disease. So being like a chronic patient, so it's more like a lifestyle. Everything in your life is being influenced by the conditions and there's such huge population. So we kind of keep in mind that the key concept is we want to help the patient to manage asthma at home. That's where they spend most of the time at home. But at the same time, they have to kind of fight this condition or if it's managed properly, it can kind of minimize uh, the impact. So we empowering uh, the patient and putting them in the driver's seat of asthma management. So to accomplish that, we use this um, simple and very user-friendly uh, mobile app. Because, you know, everyone has like a smartphone and that's becoming like part of everyone's uh, lifestyle. So we just use the mobile app. So making it like a, a morning routine something that is at their disposable anytime, anywhere. And then we also have those uh, over-the-counter devices 
that's uh, really uh, affordable and uh, easy to use and to care. That way they can do the test anywhere, anytime and then know their vital readings so they can kind of know early if anything goes wrong, if they need to use a medication or they need to uh, see the doctor. By doing all that, very convenient and uh, right kind of out of your pocket solutions, we can prevent a lot of the exacerbation and ER visit from happening, greatly improve their quality of life and reduce the cost. So absolutely. I think that you're right. It's a really good way of saying that asthma is a chronic condition and it's just not going to go away with a simple antibiotic. It's living with a lifetime condition. So you mentioned this a little bit before in your intro. Obviously, when you were doing your studies, you were exposed to people with asthma, children. Can you share with, with our audience a little bit about the types of research, the modeling and, you know, the years of work and time that went into developing this product? And in that research, what would you say was the most interesting thing that came out through this research and development phase of this product? So let me start from our company, how we get started. One of the founders, he has 30 years of experience in the medical device industry and then particularly in the, the respiratory area, like CPAP machines, things like that. We started as like a big player in the oximetry business, like oxygen monitoring. Before we develop this product solution, we do a lot of sleep apnea monitoring because the patient, the oxygen will fall rapidly during sleep because the breathing just stops. So the solution kind of developed from there. And you know, we have those stories and then we have some manufacturing partners that they are specialized in spirometry devices. And they try to make something that's uh, very affordable and uh, easy to use at home because we found it's really difficult for the patient to manage this condition at home. Mostly people rely on the doctor's visit maybe once a month or some time. And that's clearly not enough. So we have developed this spiraling device, the over-the-counter spirometry. And we developed it use a um, different technology that is a pressure sensor, different than the traditional turbine, which is derived from like a hospital-grade desktop uh, unit. And at the same time, it's uh, easy to use and to maintain lower cost than the common units in the market. So that's how we kind of develop the, one of the key devices to bridge the gap and appeal to huge population uh, without compromise, like the accuracy or the reliability. That's how it kind of starts. And we also, we combine with our specialty, right, oximetry. So the patient or the, the child can be monitored continuously throughout the night, kind of lower the risk or the, the parents worry. Something happened during the night. Absolutely. That combination. Mm -hmm. Are you a tech startup wondering how likely telehealth is to keep its momentum in the next five to 10 years? McKinsey forecasts roughly 25% of the total cost of care for U.S. Medicare patients will shift to the home by 2025. And the remote patient monitoring market is expected to surpass $1.25 billion by 2030, according to MarketWatch. Despite how favorable the growth trends are, it's not easy to be a telehealth tech startup today. 
The IEEE SA telehealth startup community is designed for technologists, entrepreneurs who have a proof of concept, prototype, or maybe an early commercialization of a technology product in the telehealth domain. The community offers tech and industry mentorship, partnership development opportunities, and the invitation to be part of a think tank to help drive trust and adoption of these technologies. Plus, you can earn credits to present demos and participate in virtual and face-to-face -face events hosted by IEEE's Healthcare and Life Science Practice. If you want to join us and make this impact on the future of telehealth, you can join for free at ieesa.io backslash telehealth-startup. This is like a nice segue to my next question. So we know that asthma, right, is common chronic disease among children, unfortunately. And like you said, parents are worried, right? They're, they're worried about yeah. when they're sleeping and they're getting enough oxygen. Obviously, there's a lot, a lot of concern there. But we also know that children are traditionally not the best at patient adherence, right? They're children. They're like, I don't want to wear this thing. I don't want to touch this thing. Their mind is like in a million other places. So how do you find children using this product? Like, do you find them that they're compliant, that they're using it correctly? They're using it at the specified times they need to use it. Do you find that parents are not complaining, oh, my child doesn't like to use this thing? Like, what are you finding in that specific area of opportunity in working with children? Yes. Yeah, so we actually uh, have this in mind during the whole kind of development process. So for example, our Spiralink spirometry device has a really nice and narrow mouthpiece opening. So that's going to be more easier for the children to blow into it. And also for the oxygen monitoring, our Oxynite watch, uh, we have a kid's version. So for adults, they have a, like a big finger sensor, but we have those little finger sensor with a nice color, like a bright blue color, a pink color for the kids and with a tiny little um, finger sensor. So our product is like a all age group. Oh, and also for the children, we're also working with um, groups trying to set up studies for children, like see their compliance and see what to figure out the kind of the best way to improve the adherence and then the outcome. There's um, many ways to get to there, like things that appeal to uh, children, like better UI design of the app, or even like the daily routine testing, more fun, things like those. We don't have the final product yet, but we're in the kind of active process of developing. There's like so many devices we talked about. They're coming into the market in many therapeutic areas, many different applications and so on. But we're seeing like sometimes this one hit, I call it a one hit wonder approach, right? We've developed this device, we put it in the market. It's a monitoring device. It can connect to an app. It can collect and transmit data. And then we have to wait till the next version comes out for it to do the next thing and you start to talk about this, is the interesting point of your particular innovation was that it's scalable and extensible. And I want to get your point of view when you were developing this RPM device. Why did you find it important to have that in the product design? And how did you feel that would best serve the patients that you're trying to help? Yeah, I think the key concept and the thing we always think about is on the a patient. So our goal is uh, driving the patient, motivate the patient, uh, make everything accessible and then convenient. So they have everything they need and they can do it very easily. And then we don't focus on one specific device. We think about it as like a whole concept, like a whole idea, a solution to help 
people with asthma. So one thing we keep adding different devices. So it's like a different tools for the patients at home at their disposal, right? For example, like a breast trainer, uh, because managing the disease testing is one thing, kind of recovering it, training, exercise is another like important part of this condition, like chronic disease and also like an inhaler counter. So many of these will play a critical part in the patient's life. So, so we kind of try to make their life easier, not only just focusing on one device. So, so we're focusing on the patient. And also with the API and uh, SDKs of our devices, all these great devices that we have are not only available to us. It's literally available to everybody. So say like another company like RPM or telehealth group, they have like a specific need. Right? It's for senior, it's for children, and they have some other great solutions. And our device is available to a company like this. And then so they can make these uh, great uh, user-friendly uh, devices as part of their uh, solution. So so we are kind of also helping the patients like the end user and also uh, the industry. So many other uh, companies. So, so there's a lot of different solutions and products available for different scenarios. We've talked about patients. When you think of the patients that can benefit from the technology uh, CMI has developed, how do you see it being patient-centered from a point of view of accessibility, adaptability, flexibility, or those areas of interest? You know, What are some of the outcomes you have seen with the ability of doctors to have access to the real-time data coming from these devices to enhance the patient's care? Yeah, so if you think about like the patient care, especially for this uh, chronic uh, disease, Actually, the patient can spend 90% of their time uh, with themselves, like at home or with like a family, like not with a doctor. So can they are responsible uh, for the most part for their own care. And uh, the patients are actually the, the best caregiver for themselves if they are equipped with correct the tools and the mindset like, and the knowledge. So we want to bridge this gap of like traditional patient care. Like traditionally, it's like uh, taking photos. So patients go to doctors once at a time, but the doctor only see photos of the patient. They don't know what happened at home. Maybe there's like an asthma attack, there's some trigger or some feeling the patient don't even know themselves. They cannot describe it or they forgot when they're at the doctors. With like telehealth and RPM solution, like our asthma go, it's more like uh, taking a movie that's continuous records everything happened along the time and the doctor has access to this movie so the trend is very clear they will know a lot better about the patient maybe the medication is not right or maybe the some other factors like weather or activity influence the condition so it's a lot easier for the doctor and the patient to improve the outcome because patient is responsible for their own care. So we try to give them the best they can have at home so they can kind of take charge. That's what we say that we put them in the driver's seat. And by doing that, uh, we are actually promoting early uh, prediction, right? And early intervention. So we believe that's the best way for all these type of uh, chronic disease because there's no severe attacks, ER visits uh, that will result in better quality of life and a better outcome and a lower cost.
Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I think that there's so much here, you know, the opportunity for patients to definitely take, quote unquote, control of their condition, you know, using great tools such as these and others out there. I talk to many different tech entrepreneurs, a very exciting opportunity to hear from them. And they always mention to me in the development phase or in the research phase, they're like, wow, sometimes had this technical standard or data standard been in place, it would have been a huge help or policy sometimes be written in such a way, it would have made things a lot easier. So my question to you is after going through this development process and going through this whole experience, what are some of the things that you guys experienced? Had we had this, it would have made it easier. And how do you see that potentially opening the doors to innovation in overall this RPM space? If that challenge still exists, like how do you guys think maybe there's a better way to address it? This is like a big topic. Uh, maybe I just talk about one part of it. That's the connectivity. So that's like the fundamental basis of telehealth. Uh, we want the doctors or the nurse caregiver be able to access patient data, be able to kind of communicate and provide care uh, remotely. So the connectivity uh, is key. So the IoT device that's um, equipped with Bluetooth technology, Wi-Fi, uh, cellular, that's uh, really important. And throughout our development process or the years in, in business, we also find out the cellular start to play a more important role and then become convenient compared with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Because sometimes you're dealing with like a little kids or the seniors. Sometimes we have to kind of skip the mobile connection due to personal reasons. But the cellular connectivity can really kind of close some final mileage. For example, for seniors, for like a remote areas, things like that, where there's no Wi-Fi. And we're actually moving toward a lot of um, cellular enabled devices and then try to keep all of our patient customers connected whenever they are. I think that's a really good point. I think keeping patients connected and we hear connected healthcare everywhere. Keeping them really connected means more than just connecting them to their device and that's it. It's the whole experience across the continuum of care. So JC, I think you've given us some really interesting thoughts. I mean, obviously, you guys are tackling a significant global chronic condition through the use of this device. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience as technologists who's looking to develop a device in the RPM space to even go into some support of chronic condition or just this idea of design mindset, uh, patient-centered care? Like what advice or thoughts would you share with our audience on that? Maybe just some like a quick points for both patient and for doctors. You will find a, like a lot of uh, great innovations and great uh, convenience if we kind of try new things, try new technologies. I know like it's kind of uh, typical in the kind of the healthcare industry because we have uh, many hospitals and doctors. They um, prefer more traditional way of doing things. We're kind of gradually moving toward the technology trend, but we are still way more kind of years behind what actually the technology develops. But it's a good trend that we are heading toward the right direction, especially we are in the COVID situation in the future post-COVID. And we have a lot of these great regulations, reimbursement. Everybody start using and accepting the idea of telemedicine, telehealth, uh, using their mobile and doing things they are not able to do before at home. And suddenly we will find out, oh, it, that really makes our life uh, easier. And so, yeah, so that's what I want to add. 
Absolutely. So for all of you out there trying to get into the telemedicine space, you have to think about, you know, patients from multiple different ways, just not their clinical therapeutic condition. And that's a, a really, really important point. So JC, thank you for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure hearing more about AsthmaGo. Thank you, Maria, for having me. So if all of you out there, if you want to learn a little bit more about AsthmaGo and overall about CMI Health, you can visit cmihealth-inc.com. If you'd like to see the finalist pitch videos from the Rethink the Machine virtual pitch competition, they're available on the event website at ieesa.io backslash telehealthcomp, T-E-L-E-H-E-A-L-T-H-C-O-M-P. And for you out there, many of the concepts in our conversation with JC today are addressed in various activities throughout the healthcare and life science practice here at the IEEESA. The mission of the practice is engaging multidisciplinary stakeholders and have them openly collaborate, build consensus, and develop solutions in an open standardized means to support innovation that will enable privacy, security, and equitable, sustainable access to quality care for all. There's so many different activities here, such as WAMI, the Wearables and Medical IoT Interoperability and Intelligence Global Incubator Program, the Transforming the Telehealth Paradigm Industry Connections Program, and all of these different areas of accessibility, human factor design, seamless connectivity are all being addressed uh, by our volunteers. So if you're interested and you want to learn more about these projects or all the other additional projects, which I didn't even get a chance to mention, you can visit the practice website at ieesa.io backslash HLS. So if you enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to share it with your peers, your colleagues on your networks. This is the only way we can get these important discussions out into the domain is by you helping us to get the word out. You can use hashtag IEEEHLS or tag us on Twitter at IEEESA or on LinkedIn, IEEE Standards Association when sharing this podcast. Special thank you to the audience for you listening and being here with us today. Continue to stay safe and well until next time. On behalf of IEEE Standards Association and IEEE SA Voice, thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit standards.ieee.org. We hope you'll join us again soon.